It's Thursday, April 9th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. We've been tracking U.S. unemployment numbers for weeks now. And today, new numbers show things still aren't good. We'll dive into what that means. Then, grocery shopping during a pandemic already has its challenges, but food banks across the country are facing a lot more hurdles. We'll dive in. And finally, how far can you take social distancing? How about outer space? We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Okay, the COVID-19 pandemic is a rapidly changing story with lots of moving parts, and we're gonna help you sort out what exactly you need to know starting with the three big developments of the day. First, so we just got in the tragedy of the news of the number of unemployment claims. 6.6 million additional Americans filed jobless claims in the prior week. This exceeds even what were already incredibly dire projections. Over the past three weeks, the number of people who have filed for unemployment is close to 17 million, which is about 10% of the labor force. And that number could actually be even higher, since there are so many reports of people not being able to file for unemployment, because the offices in charge of doling out relief are so overwhelmed. Some states are adding phone lines or extending their hours to make it easier to file for unemployment, and a bunch are hiring new staffers. But unemployment offices in a bunch of states still use a 40-year-old computer programming system, and there just aren't a lot of people who know how to use it. Earlier this week, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy even put out a special call for volunteers familiar with the decades-old system. In our list of volunteers, Judy, not only do we need healthcare workers, but given the legacy systems, we should add a page for cobalt uh, uh, computer skills because that's what we're dealing with. But as more and more people are filing for unemployment, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is making moves to keep essential workers at work. Basically, the CDC now says if an essential worker has been exposed to COVID-19, they're okay to show up to work, as long as they take their temperature, wear a mask, and social distance from others. But if they start showing symptoms, they should stay home. So the unemployment numbers today are bad, even though the federal government is trying to find new ways to get people back to work. And some experts are saying this recession could be as bad as the Great Depression. Not a great situation at all. Our second headline today involves the World Health Organization. Today marks 100 days since the agency was told about the first cases of what's now called COVID-19. And in some ways, the WHO has been the glue of the global response to the disease. After all, this is the organization that declared the pandemic in the first place. So in many ways, the WHO has been guiding the world through the crisis, offering everything from advice on handwashing to how to maintain access to healthcare during the pandemic. But this week, President Trump says he's not happy with how the organization has handled things thus far. And because of that... We're going to put a hold on money spent to the WHO. We're going to put a very powerful hold on it. So why does President Trump say he wants to withhold funding from this global organization leading the response to COVID-19? For one, Trump says the WHO was too slow to respond to the pandemic. But this also has to do with China which the Trump administration has accused of fudging its COVID-19 case numbers. And Trump has suggested the WHO hasn't been holding China to account. What Trump thinks about the WHO matters because the US is its biggest single funder. 
over a seventh of the WHO's recent funding can be traced back to the U.S. government. The WHO director, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, was asked yesterday about Trump's remarks and he had a message for world leaders. Please don't politicize this virus. NBC News reports that the White House is working on a plan to follow through with the aid cuts anyway. And to be clear, Trump isn't alone in his criticism of the WHO. Other officials in places like Taiwan agree that the WHO possibly ignored early warning signs. In the US though, Trump is facing the same kind of questions about whether he downplayed the virus and didn't respond soon enough to the outbreak in the US. This fight is coming at a particularly intense time for both the WHO and the US, which has the highest number of COVID-19 cases of any country. And although there are signs that the US might follow through with Trump's suggestions of cutting aid, just so you know, nothing is finalized yet. Which brings us to our third big story of the day. For a lot of us, trying to plan meals and limiting our trips to the grocery store has been enough of a challenge. But for the estimated 46 million Americans who rely on food banks, and for food banks themselves, this outbreak is even tougher. First, food banks nationwide are seeing way more people showing up than usual. One food bank in Nebraska that typically serves less than 100 people a day is now reportedly seeing 900. On Monday, a photographer spotted cars lined up for blocks to reach a food bank in South Florida. There were similar scenes near Pittsburgh, too. Jada Hare works at the Midwest Food Bank based in central Illinois. I just keep thinking about those lines of people at food pantries and recognizing that some of them feel completely uncomfortable or are in a spot they never expected. And with a lot of businesses closed, food banks are finding it harder to get enough food to keep up with the demand. Carmen Del Guecho is the president of the Maryland Food Bank. In normal times, 75% of the food we distribute was donated to us by retailers all across the state. But these aren't normal times. And if anybody's been to a supermarket in the last week or two have realized what shelves look like, that our donated food stream has totally bottomed out. With food banks forced to buy more food, some are reporting a tenfold increase in food prices. Food banks are also struggling right now because fewer volunteers are showing up to lend a helping hand. And even when food is available, getting it to those in need can be a challenge. By law, if food banks want to give out food provided to them by the U.S. government, they need to collect proof of people's income and legal residency. But that in-person interview process takes time, leading to longer waits and larger crowds that aren't great for maintaining social distance. So to speed things up, some states have been calling on the USDA to waive those eligibility requirements. In recent weeks, the USDA has been granting waivers on a state-by-state -state basis, but they've also been criticized for not just giving every state permission in advance. After all, COVID-19 is a national crisis, and food bank officials say collecting paperwork in an emergency is a waste of time. But for now, the delays continue. And while no single person can fix the food bank system, Hare says during this food crisis, every bit of help makes a difference. We just wrote a blog post about it. Uh, I have a group of kids that broke their piggy banks and gave us $5.50. And it was such an encouragement for our team to see, you know, every dollar spends the same. And so we're so thankful for every single donation that comes in in this time. Like we said, there's a lot happening right now. For more information about how you can help out in your local community and to keep up with the latest COVID-19 news, head over to theskim.com slash COVID updates. All right, 
This pandemic is affecting us in a lot of different ways, including your finances. And we want to answer some of the biggest money questions you might have when it comes to what COVID-19 could mean for your wallet. Like, should you be worried about the stock market? It's been a really bumpy ride over the last month, and it might not be the kind of roller coaster you'd want to be on. In early March, before lockdowns around the U.S. really kicked in, the stock slid into a bear market. That's when stock prices fall at least 20% from a recent high. It was the first time that happened since 2009. But after dropping it low last month, stock prices shot up this week with some of the biggest gains in years, making a lot of investors really happy. So a lot of highest highs, lowest lows, and maybe more anxiety than usual. And that might leave you feeling pretty confused about what the F to do with your investments. Drumroll please, probably nothing. Experts say that if you are already planning to invest for the long term, think years or even decades, try to keep calm and carry on with your regular investing strategy. If you panic sell when things are looking bad, you might risk your financial health in the long term, because when the market recovers, you won't reap those benefits. And if history tells us anything, stocks will recover. In the past, US markets have made a comeback from every major downturn over time and kept climbing. We're going to keep answering your money questions as the economic fallout of COVID-19 develops and offer resources to help you stay financially healthy. To stay updated, head on over to theskim.com slash spend smarter. Okay, we're pressing pause on the latest developing stories to talk about T-minus one minute. This morning, three astronauts, two from Russia, one from the US, took social distancing to an extreme and blasted off to about 200 miles above planet Earth. Six hours later, they arrived aboard the International Space Station. And docking confirmed. To get to that moment, the astronauts first had to spend the past month in a strict quarantine. Astronauts are used to quarantining before flight. NASA normally locks them down for two weeks to make sure no one brings a cold to space. But with the pandemic, they're taking it further. We hope all that alone time got them comfortable with silence and confined spaces because they're about to be up there for the next six months. But if that solitude is the kind of thing you're into, we've included a link in our show notes to a live stream of the far out view those astronauts are enjoying. No matter your situation, sometimes you just need to press pause. Every week we're sending out an email with some of our favorite things to help you take a break. To sign up, head on over to theskim.com slash press pause. Hi, Mom and Dad. I just want to leave a shout out for my father. And I wanted to shout out my mom. And a special thank you to my mom, who is 65 and is continuing to work through this crisis. He's 90 years old and just started chemo for leukemia this week. So I wanted to make sure that she got a really great birthday shout out. And I miss you guys. I miss you very much. I hope to see you soon. I love you guys. I love you very much, and I'll be FaceTiming you. Love you. Bye. And that's all for Skim This. Remember, we want to hear your shout outs. Maybe it's a message for a friend working on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic, or a loved one who you can't physically meet up with right now. Give us a call at 646-461-6370 and leave us a voicemail. And we just want to note, we're taking the day off tomorrow and we'll be back on Monday. So stay safe and for more updates, check out the Daily Skim tomorrow morning and follow us on Instagram at The Skim. 